Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today I'm joined by my co-host who has been with me the last few weeks, Joe Roberts. Joe, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, it's time for Josh and Matt to, to step up. Well, to be fair to Matt, he has been doing the fantasy show, but Josh, <laughs> nowhere to be seen. I mean, where is that man? But today we are here for a preview of the Japanese Grand Prix. Last weekend, we were at Singapore and it was the first race there since 2019. And it's the same with Japan. Haven't been there since 2019. So another track that we get to revisit. But I've mentioned Singapore and I think that we should go back and quickly recap last week's race as it was pretty eventful, to say the least. Joe, what do you think of last week's, last week's race in Singapore? Um, I, I think it was refreshing. I think kind of seeing three, I would say three constructors, like battling it out. It was very, very interesting in that sense. Um, Perez, I think, controlled it, showed why maybe should be deserve a Red Bull seat because the last, I think, seven races been... Think off the pace, and if Max was in the uh, if the Ferraris were actually competent, then it could be a threat to Max. So good to see that Paris has stepped up, and yeah, the race was exciting. I think the only question I have is the fact that the FIA didn't get some guts and put make the the drivers start on wets rather than inters because it felt like they're just waiting for um into conditions now which i remember back in like 2000 yeah in the, in the 2000s where they just went out um in monsoon rain i remember malaysia i think like 2010 or 11 um in qualifying they went out in um oh it's a pang uh, in malaysia and it was like a monsoon conditions and they still did qualifying where i think now they would have red flagged it so yeah, just a bit of question on the FIA on that part, but the for the race it was very eventful. But I think it could could have been more eventful with with uh, starting in the heavier conditions. Yeah, it really was carnage. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yellow flag galore. But to pick up on your point there, because I want to go in chronological order. That really did wind me up. I just didn't see the need that they had to delay the race. What is the point in having wet tyres if you're going to wait till interconditions to start the race? You might as well just send them out on wets, like even do a few practice laps, see what it's like, and then oh, it, it, it did frustrate me. And then you had to go through all the procedure of getting these celebrities and will I am their time on the track, and it's just like... We didn't need to wait that long. But apart from that, it certainly was eventful. You had Joe, Latifi, Alonso, Albon, Ocon and Sonoda all DNFing. Russell had a very eventful race. He pit onto mediums really early. And then later in the race, he tangled with Schumacher, where he tried to pin the blame on Schumacher, despite the fact that Schumacher couldn't go any further right without going into a barrier 
And Russell just had so much of the track he could have used to avoid him, but he didn't do it at all. You had Hamilton and Verstappen, two drivers at the top of their game, both making big mistakes going in to turn seven, Hamilton going into a wall, Verstappen, big lockup. And then you had Perez, who was fantastic the whole race, one of his best races of his career, but was involved in quite a bit of controversy after the race with their safety car FIA whole debacle about whether he was within 10 car widths of it. And in the end, he only got a five-second penalty, so he kept the race win. But it was definitely a controversial incident. Joe, let me get your thoughts on that quickly. Perez got a five-second penalty after the race. Do you think that was the right decision or should it have been more? Um. No, as in, I, I think I remember Vettel getting one. I th- it might have been five. It could have been, I think it was five seconds. It's the right decision. Um, but I'll go back to like the starting procedures. I don't really get, as I understand the importance of having the national anthem and all that sort of stuff. But so I think that should, you know, happen, even if it's in like full wets or whatever. But I don't get why it has to happen for celebrities. As in, yes, they pay all this money and whatnot. But for example, um, a track like last year, I think it was a couple of years or was it last year or a couple of years ago, like Spa, for example, a washout. Um, and then they, they didn't get their money back or some of them, as in some of those celebrities paid loads of money and all that sort of stuff. So it, for me, it's a bit mixture of like um, that it doesn't matter if these celebrities paid a lot of money, you should focus on the experience of F1, which is racing. It's not showboating. Oh, we've got Will I Am on the track and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. They, they should have done with the procedure of celebrities and gone into the national anthem and, and all that sort of stuff mm. beforehand and then just got racing and skip the 45 minute parade they do yeah it definitely was frustrating but that's just how f1's going to be now because it's what brings in the money so they're going to continue doing it which is frustrating but it did bring that funny moment where will i am getting interviewed and he always does this thing whenever he's talking to a camera where he's like hello london and it's like you're talking to a country you're not just talking to the city of london but yeah that was bizarre going back to the perez incident though yeah, I, I love Perez, but I thought that th- it was actually very lenient because the FI released this statement that pretty much made zero sense where they said that the wet conditions couldn't be accountable for him being within 10 car widths. But then in the next line, it says the FI did take into account the wet conditions. And it's like you've just completely contradicted yourself. So I think Perez was quite lucky not to get 10, but... I don't care. Perez got a race win. I'm very happy. Let's now move on to Have I Got F1 News For You, the game we play where we have to guess what, or Joe has to guess, the missing word in this headline from the week, and then we talk about it. And to be fair, there's only one thing we could talk about this week, and the headline is, this is, Joe, you're just going to throw a few guesses out of here. It's quite hard to guess the word, but... The headline is Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes driver, says it's blank 
budget cap punishments given. And that's from BBC Sport. Let me read to you again. Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes driver, says it's blank budget cap punishments given. Uh, imperative? I don't know. Imper- yes, spot on. You've got it first try. That's actually a really good guess. If it's a guess, have you seen the headline though? No, I, I've I've seen the stuff that Lewis Hamilton says, and yeah, it's it's quite. You have to agree with it. Well, I mean, we'll get to discuss it in a set. So, of course, the budget cap, the FIA are going to reveal on Monday which teams exceeded it last season after delaying the publication. The Hamilton's Mercedes team and Ferrari both said at last week's weekend Singapore Grand Prix that is an open secret that two teams broke the cost cap last season and it's widely expected within the sport that Red Bull and Aston Martin will be found not to have been in compliance in 2021 when the results are published. Joe, big headlines this week. What do you think of the whole budget cap debacle? Um, Aston Martin, I'm going to be quite lenient on because the fact is that no, as in they're catching up, and I don't, I don't know whether the budget cap counts and like building facilities and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it looks like they're just investing in facilities and, and all that sort of business that might affect the budget cap because they don't look like they put any upgrades or they spend it on a different concept of car every single half year in a way after the half halfway mark but red bull for me as in i i, I listened to that interview hamilton said the last big upgrade or the only upgrade was in um, silverstone so that is i think round 11 i think yeah it's about midway through yeah, yeah it's around 11 and he says that red bull put four more upgrades after that which begs the question how the hell do they get the money if mercedes are not pushing because they would be pushing the budget cap because that's they're a top team and they have accountants that would know how to push it um so i i i don't believe mercedes won't have tried to push it and the fact is red bull have put four upgrades within that time period that that would have probably changed the outcome of the championship so it for me if they've majorly um broke those budget cap, i don't know it covers i think it covers this season's car and this season's car is bloody quick and the mercedes one with you know the less resources is third quickest and I, I'm I'm explaining the logic here. And the Ferrari had a terrible year last year. I don't think they spent anything on upgrades, and now they're one of the they're, they're one of the quickest. So it begs the question: How the hell Red Bull? Um, I know Adrian New is a very good designer, but I don't think um, he's that good within the rule set to negate spending over that over that budget cap so for me i won't be surprised if there has to be a harsh punishment for us if it's a major um i can give you some examples as well sam 2007 spygate um between uh, mclaren and ferrari um the 
I, the um, the thing for that is that McLaren was expelled from that championship in the constructors in constructors, and then Crashgate um, in uh, funny enough Singapore that uh, PK crashed into the wall that gave Alonso that win, and then um, three uh, members or. Uh, I can't remember the, the names. The principal got expelled and all that sort of stuff. And I think they got um, point deduction. So I, for, for me, I think accountability is very much crucial to this and they have to stick to it because the fact is that if they don't be strong on it, Mercedes could easily say, oh, okay, I'm going to spend over it, um, over the budget cap, because it's important um, for these teams like McLaren Williams who are independent um, because I've seen a stat that I think they McLaren spent 128 million so that's 20, 20 million under their under the budget cap so it makes it for me important that it stick to and the rules are very firm on it yeah I mean some interesting points there I mean at the end of the day you're speaking like it's definitely Red Bull it's still uh, speculation well that no, it is Red Bull and Aston Martin if, if you, the, the thing is that Aston Martin is for me going to be a minor breach because you ha- there's no if you look at last season the upgrades they put on they've only the only major one was changing the concept of their car and then he hardly put any upgrades throughout the whole year and also this year. If you look at Red Bull, they've brought in big upgrades the whole of this the last season and also the first four races of this season. So for me, it doesn't make it makes no sense if it's like Williams, because how would they break the budget cap? Because they won't have enough money to break the budget cap. The same as McLaren, Alfa Romeo. Um, so it has to be the big one of the big three, and one with lots of money injected into F1. So that's Aston Martin, and it has to be either McLaren, Ferrari, no, sorry, Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull. And yeah, I don't think Mercedes would risk uh, risk it. Yeah, I think it's still it's still speculation at this point, and different sources are saying different things. So, for example, senior sources at BBC are saying that any for any uh, breach is a minor breach from both teams. Some are saying that Aston Martin did a minor breach and B- and Red Bull did a major breach. Everyone's saying different things, and realistically, we're not going going to know until Monday what's happened. In my opinion, there'll be no big punishments handed out. And there's a few people throwing around the fact that, oh, if Red Bull have breached it massively last year, then Verstappen will lose his title and Hamilton will win it. But you use the example there of Crashgate at the Singapore Grand Prix. And while there was deductions and people got sacked and fired alonso did keep that race win so if there's if there's consistency there then because verstappen will just say oh i didn't know about it that's what uh, alonso did in that occasion he went i had no idea about it and they kept the race for me for me this is how i see it it's completely different Uh, the reason i put those examples there is because it shows examples of what the um uh, the, the previous FIA 
sort of people part of or who who control F1. The fact is, it's to do with money, makes it a lot more, um, as in, makes the car faster effectively. Um, for factors like the aero, how much um, money you spend on aero work, all that sort of stuff, or upgrades, and that. The fact is, I believe that Mercedes would have put a whole load of money into building a better car for this year and be more competitive and Red Bull would have run away with it even more. Um, and for me, the, the whole point of a budget cap is to keep it equal. And if it isn't equal, I fear that people are just going to try and abuse it. And there needs to be more major consequence of budget cap. So for example, if there's a major, for me, they should be excluded because it affects two championships. They should be excluded from both just to show that you shouldn't be breaking it. And yes, it would call controversy and whatever. But the fact is, um, this we could use like a football example. Um, if football uh, clubs break financial fair play rules, they get deducted or excluded from competitions. I don't think Red Bull should be excluded from competitions because it's obviously a different sport, but it they should be um, re well redu uh, reduce points from this championship and last championship because there's consequence for doing these upgrades and getting them wrong or spending way too much money because you're not very good with your account management. That that's honestly how I I, I see it. Yeah, I think if there is punishments, it'll be a fine or constructors' points. I don't think driver standings for me, it cannot be a, be a fine, it cannot be a fine because Red Bull are a massive organization that can just pay mm, it off, yeah, and it won't do. go for the cost cap. It, it still might not be Red Bull, let's just say it, it might be Red Bull, it might be Aston Martin, we still don't know, but I personally think that this has been blown completely out of proportion. I think it's Mercedes and Ferrari stirring things to try and overturn last year's decision. They're not happy with how this year's been because Red Bull are in a league of their own. So I think it's been blown out of proportion by them. I also think that because last year was the first year of the budget cap, the FIA will be lenient and be like, right, it's your first year, we'll fine you, and then if you do it again, we'll bring in big punishments. I mean, I'm not saying that's the right thing, Joe. I don't think... If you bring in a rule, you should stick with it, and it should be... If you majorly breach it, it should be the strongest punishment possible because, as um, Hamilton said in that, in that interview, it has to, they're, they're refereeing it. They're refereeing it, and the fact is that... Um, remember... Obviously, Toto Wolf saying it like five millions. It's nearly like nearly half. A, I think every million's nearly a half a second. Obviously, that's thrown out of proportion in a way, but it's a massive. Every million is quite a big difference in terms of development and um, making the car quicker. Yeah, that, that's that's why I would say the budget cap. Yes, it's the first time round, but it has to be the strongest punishment because it affects. This affects this car, year's car, affects next year's car. Um, the fact is that Mercedes, um, it Mercedes will have the same, I think, chassis or something the same 
that will go on to next year's car because they can't they don't have enough money to order to um you know change the concept of it for me that makes sense that if anybody breaches it there needs to be a, a very big punishment because um for example uh like williams and mclaren and all those sort of cars that have got the concept completely wrong it's going to take them three to four years in order to gain that um yeah gain that cost cap gain that all that money back into into performance that's why i think it's very important that it's followed to the strictest terms possible yeah we'll, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition though when on monday they will decide after this weekend to be honest i don't think i don't think that the breaking of it is the biggest issue i think the thing that frustrates me the most is the fact that it's October of 2022 yeah. and the FIA are looking at the 2021 budget cap. Why are they doing this now? They had the season finished in December of last year. They had three months of off season where they could have done this. I don't understand why it's taken so long. And now, because if it happened in the off season, that would have been a lot easier for if, it, if someone's broken it in a big way you strip someone of a title or do whatever without the next season starting. But now you're stripping someone of a title for a season that's already gone. I just think uh, and that is the most frustrating part for me. Why are you doing this now? Yeah, and if you look at the... I know this, this we spend like 10 minutes talking about this, but, but um, we'll quickly then look at the like the punishments. I understand, I understand you, but the fact is, if you strip the title now, well what you could do this year because Verstappen's dominating, then you would have to, you're basically stripping two titles um, because of last year's budget cap, because it, because obviously you're developing for another car. So for me, if I was going to do it, I would do it for this season just because it's, um, yeah, just because it's a new regulation, new sort of new budget cap. But Every, I think if it's happened next next season, then I think it becomes a, a bigger a bigger problem. Mm, yeah, it's certainly an issue that we're not going to hear the end of. Even on the tenth, when we finally hear what happens, I bet you there'll be complaints. There'll be teams lodging in disputes, being like, "Well, if Red Bull, for example, again speculation and Aston Martin speculation that they're the two teams." If they get punished, they might lodge an appeal. If they don't get punished as much as other teams want, that the other teams might lodge yeah. an appeal. It, so it, we're not hearing the end of this on the tenth. Let's be yeah, real. I've I've got a big feeling this is going to go on until till December, and then you could basically have the staff winning the title against stripped of it. Yes. So it could effectively very a very interesting end of the season if if a Sappen is stripped of the title and then reduce produce or exclude reduce the like points or excluded from the championship mm. in fact it's then it makes Leclerc winning the championship which all Paris all Paris all Paris all because of he's part of the Red Bull he might get true, true. excluded from the championship so it's a big big decision from the FIA and 
it'll be interesting to hear what what they've got to say because personally as you said they should have had it out on sorted out at the beginning of the season and i don't understand what's the wait because that just makes suspicions that it that somebody has broken it in a big big way yeah certainly frustrating but let's finally move on to why we're here to preview the Japanese Grand Prix. I felt like it was important to discuss this though, as it was a big issue in over the week. But yeah, the track that we're racing at this week is the Suzuka International Racing Course, which is a 5.807 kilometer circuit with one DRS zone, 18 corners and 53 laps. Joe, what are your thoughts on Suzuka? Um, It's a very... For me, I like this track. It's very old school. It's, um, I think, been on the calendar for for a, a long time, maybe like 40, 40 years. I can't remember how long it's been mm. on, but quite a long time. And it's very iconic. you got the um, Senna and Pross crashing each other, I think, twice. Uh, the controversy with um, Senna crashing to Pross and then um, carrying on, then... Prost getting the title because uh, Senna has been or kicked out, yeah, excluded because he starts up with some help. So yeah, it's it's a very iconic track. It's um, well, the uh, first sector is very iconic. Um, it's got a lot of, I would say, it's a couple of the tracks on the calendar. I've got inspiration from from uh, Suzuka and. In and then you've got the um, oh, what's it called? Uh, 130R, the iconic turn, um, that you can actually overtake now, I think. Hopefully, um, but yeah, it's 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 got had some good races, um, not many places to overtake, but when it rains, it's it's a very interesting, interesting circuit to, to come across. Yeah, it is a high-speed track that, for drivers, is probably one of the most challenging on the calendar. You have those snaking S-curves. You have just... It's such a great circuit. It might not be the most entertaining in terms of races, but it's just really unique. It's such a nice race to have on the calendar. You have that crossover, which features only on this track in F1, which is a really cool feature. And I just think the aesthetic and the vibe, I think it's a really nice track. As you said, old school. And in a day and age where there's so much speculation over tracks that are iconic, like Spa, and potentially replacing them with these new tracks, which are rubbish. And it's great to go to Suzuka and race a really cool track and hopefully this weekend is a good one but let's look back at the last race in Japan back in 2019 and I'll start by going through the key moments so in qualifying the red flags in Q1 after big crashes from Kubica and Magnussen Vettel put his car on pole Leclerc second and Bottas third 
I go into the race now, and on lap one, Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen tangle at turn two, sending Max spinning. Both cars had to pit with damage, and Verstappen later had to retire. On lap four, Alex Albon dived down the inside of Norris at turn 16, leaving Norris with floor damage, which was not investigated by the stewards, which at the time I thought was quite questionable because Alex just came out of nowhere and just pretty much killed Norris's car. Uh, and then on lap 53, Sergio Perez DNF'd on the last lap after being tagged by Gasly, was completely Perez's fault as he left no room on the inside. But Perez kept ninth place after the chequered flag lighting panels had mistakenly been shown to the leaders a lap early, meaning that the results of the race were taken from the end of the 52nd lap. And the race ended with Bottas in first, Vettel second and Hamilton in third. There was a lot of post-race drama as well I need to cover quickly. So you had Charles Leclerc got a five-second penalty for lap one incident with Verstappen and then a 10-second penalty for driving in an unsafe condition in the following laps where his front wing kind of basically blew up and took off one of Hamilton's wing mirrors. He would have been demoted to seventh, but the Racing Point submitted a protest to the stewards over an alleged illegal use of a preset lap distance dependent brake bias adjustment system, that's a mouthful, by Renault. So both Renault cars got disqualified. So Leclerc kept sixth and Perez somehow, after messing up big time, got promoted to eighth. So massively fortunate from him. Joe, what is a memory you have from the last race at Suzuka? Uh, I can't really remember it that well, that well, but I'm going to go for Bottas dominating. I, I think remember that season he dominated um, the last couple uh, of races and basically put him, I'd say put himself in a position where he could fight for a championship um, this season in, in 2020. Um, unfortunately, he didn't, he didn't win the championship, but um, because he started um, well and then slowly just fell away. Um, but it shows that he does, well, that race did show he has pace um, and can control, um, yeah, control a race and super fast. And I th- even though I still think he, um, Hamilton won that race, if they didn't really good strategy. Um, overall, he can't. You can't um, give credit to, to Bottas for being in a very comfortable fashion as 11 seconds in front of Vettel. Yeah, I mean, Bottas was very, very good in Suzuka last time. The memory I'm going to go for from Suzuka was Charles Leclerc, a man on a mission, because he had a nightmare start to the race, earning him 15 seconds worth of penalties. But for the rest of the race, Leclerc was like a man possessed. He was dive-bombing cars at every opportunity, and he was just fully sending it, despite going to the back after having to pit. 
and despite his penalties, still kept P6, as I mentioned earlier. I completely recommend for people to go check out the highlights of the last race to witness some of the fantastic moves the Monegasque driver made. There were just some really good moves, even if it's not a track that's necessarily that catered to overtaking. He made it work and, yeah, did a, had a fantastic recovery drive, even if it was an illegal engine. But moving on, let's have a look at the predictions table and make some predictions for the race ahead. So the predictions table after Singapore, of course, this is done on averages, is looking like Josh in first still on three points, Matt in second on 2.9 points. I've dropped an average of 0.2 with 2.6 points after getting... Zero points in Singapore, zero predictions, right? Joe, you've also dropped 0.3 points uh, to 2.0 average after getting also zero predictions right in Singapore. So we've absolutely smashed this. We both predicted Mercedes to do really well. You predicted Hamilton to win, and uh, that really did not come to fruition. And then Robert in fifth on 0.5 points. And the things we predict is as so. So we predict the first accident, the first safety car slash red flag, the first pit stop, first blue flag, and of course, all the laps that we think that will happen on. And then the driver who will get the most overtakes and how many overtakes before predicting the podium. But we'll start with the five predictions first. And I'll kick us off. So the first accident, I'm going for Yuki Tsunoda, lap one. He's getting himself in a tangle quite often, even if it's not actually hitting anyone else. He's driving into a few walls. He clearly has race pace, but at the moment, he is really struggling to keep that track on the road. So the first accident I've gone, Tsunoda, lap one. First safety car slash red flag. Albon, lap one, don't think he's performing as well recently. Oh, he's quite hit and miss, to be quite honest. He's hit and miss depending on the track. But for this, I'm going to go Albon, lap one, first safety car slash red flag. For first pit stop, Lance Stroll, lap one, just a complete guess. First blue flag, I've gone for a bit of a surprise, Nicholas Latifi, uh, lap 26. You've got to remember that he is taking a five-place grid penalty <laughs> in, <laughs> in Japan after his incident with Joe, where, again, he forgot he, is, he had wind mirrors, which he does pretty much every few races. But, yeah, this five-place group penalty is going to really affect him after he normally qualifies about 15th, so he'll start last for one of the few times in his racing career. So, yeah, first blue flag, Latifi, lap 26. And for most overtakes, I've gone for, we've just mentioned him there, Joe, I've gone for Valtteri Bottas with five. But, Joe, what are your five predictions? Um. Well, I was going to go for Stroll, but then I realised Aston Martin are actually good now. Well, that's now going to come. After one race. <laughs> well, they, they perform quite well. Um, so I'm going to go for Snowder, lap one. Um, I'm going to go Joe, lap one, um, to cause a safety car, just because it's a rookie. 
maybe not understand not knowing the track and maybe cause a bit of a, a crash and down the first turn because he didn't know how to which way of taking it because it's different lines and um and then albon i think he will get an instant but it will pit so it'd be lap one and then nicholas satifi i don't know how many laps there are 53 okay i'm gonna go lap 25 uh, it's because he's going to be really slow. I don't, I don't think um, the Williams will be any good because of sector one. I don't think their car will be able to hang on. So they could crash. Um, uh, so then the most overtakes, I'm going to go for Ocon with six. Yeah, that's a solid prediction. Hopefully this week Alpine can actually not have their engines both explode. Or I mean, to be fair, for McLaren fans, I know Josh was jumping up and down celebrating last week, seeing Al, uh, Alonso and Ocon going off into into the uh, uh, road. Um, yeah, that was that was My quite. Fantasy wasn't going very well. Yeah, not 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 great for the fancy team, as I did have both drivers. But anyway, moving on to the podium, it's. It's a big race this weekend, as I know last week Max could win the title, but he needed a lot of things to happen. But for Max to win the title at Suzuka, he needs to finish more than six points ahead of Perez and more than eight points ahead of Leclerc. With this in mind, I think he will do that. And I think that all of the drivers in contention for the title will be on the podium. So I've gone Verstappen in first. I've gone Perez in second because Honda engine or Red Bull engine in Suzuka, it'll be a nice way for them to win it. And then I've gone Leclerc in third because Ferrari, the second best team. And I don't think that Mercedes will be able to match these two this weekend. But Joe, what have you gone for? Um, I've gone for Leclerc. To P1, I think he's got a strong chance. I remember um, tracks like Hungary. I think um, I'm trying to think what tracks are similar. Uh, Jeddah, I think it's very similar. And I think even though Red Bull got out on top, it was very equal. Even though Red Bull developed their car, maybe illegally. Um, so, sorry. Um, so, yeah, Leclerc, I think it'll be um, a good chance of winning the race. And then I'm going to go Max, P2. And then I'm going to go for a big, big shout. I'm going to go Hamilton, P3. Interesting. So you think that the Mercedes will be able to get one of their cars on the podium? That's a, that's a big prediction. I like it. But that wraps up our podcast previewing the Japanese Grand Prix and going over the whole cost cap debacle. <laughs> Remember to like and subscribe. Comment your predictions for this weekend down below. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at the Scenario 7 podcast, our links are down below. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.